Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. I'm back. Welcome back. Yay. We missed you. Thank you. I missed you guys, too. Good. Obviously. <laughs> Always. I like your little cat ears. Thank you. I got this because it looks like Luna from Sailor Moon. And I got a matching one for my sister. And uh, she was here recently. And we were just kind of grimy together and wearing our Luna cat ears. It was really nice. I like that. Me too. Is it a headband or is it part of your headphones? Oh, it's a headband. Yeah. They do have cat ear headphones. Susie Townsend had someone we chatted with her, actually. Um, and they were pink and fabulous. This is just like a little headband. It was like seven bucks on Amazon. So, um, but I was like, I deserve a $7 cat ear headband with a crescent moon on it. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think you need to take a really cool picture of yourself in that so we can use it for our post on Thursday. Yeah, uh, not today because I <laughs> am a swamp witch, but yeah. <laughs> we all are. It's it's too early for anything. Yes, yes. All right. We are going to have a fun chat today about tools that we use to, to well, I use them to plot um, and plan story, but also kind of to get out of writing slumps, which I kind of try sometimes to be really conscious about what I call things like writing slumps. Like I don't, I'm a little bit superstitious and I'm like, if I call it a writing slump, it will be a writing slump. So I kind of think about them as these little sparks to add or or like, like extra flavor <laughs> to bring another layer to what I'm doing with the story. Because I feel like when I come up with an idea it might be interesting to somebody else who doesn't live inside my head, but then I always try to push myself to bring in an element that is unexpected to me because if I'm not finding that there's some something that I don't know when I'm writing a story, then it's not exciting for me to write. So I have to have that outside element, which kind of comes from a different source of inspiration in a way. And that really helps me. When you said flavor, the uh, phrase that popped into my head alongside the image are like these really good cherry tomatoes and they're called like flavor bombs, you know, but like they're just like this like really like concentrated deliciousness. That is like, I think some of these things that we can go to that, you know, just kind of a uh, a serum of inspiration. Yeah, so... Do you have tools that you rely on? Because I, I have like a little arsenal of things that I keep on the shelf beside me and I use them at different stages. And also just like, I don't necessarily have like a plan for how I use them, but they, I keep them on hand so that I can always refer to them when I feel like I need that extra little bit of something. I definitely use them when I plot when a story is really fresh in my head and I'm just trying to pull together pieces that feel unexpected. I love using Carolyn Miss's archetype cards and um, and, I, and then I use them with tarot cards, which a friend of mine, Maram Teba, she is a fantastic writer um, and she actually did a little 
video on her Instagram, if people want to go check that out, where she talked about how she uses them. And I use them not quite in the same way that she does, but there's a little book that comes with the archetype cards. And they have, you know, like in the tarot, you have the dark side and the lights, like the the shadow and the light side, right? And so you can use those as inspiration for your character's flaws. In Carolyn Miss's archetype cards, they're called light attributes and shadow attributes. And then they have different categories of characters. And there's some blank cards so you can make some of your own. Just pulling them up here. So what I do is I kind of shuffle through them. And then I decide before, like as I'm plotting what my story is going to be, what kind of characters I have in my story. And then as I'm building my characters, I'll just pull a card from the deck and it'll be, I won't obviously see what the card is until I turn it over. So if I just randomly do that now, I end up getting, what is this one? The scribe. And then it gives me some light attributes and some shadow attributes. And then I'll put that together with a character who might not necessarily, you you wouldn't think of them as a scribe. And so it it kind of adds a layer of something that's unexpected. And then I combine that with tarot cards. So I'll just pick some tarot and then have a look at what works for what I actually wanted from those characters. Am I making sense? Hell yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's very inspirational. I love that you're trying to surprise yourself. Sometimes people think that plotting, you don't leave the room to surprise yourself. Like if you're a pantser and just discovery, right? Your whole way through. And I love that you said it earlier as well. Like it might be surprising to someone who doesn't live in my head, but I still need to be surprised as the writer if I want to enjoy discovering the story and I I've never used cards like that I was just uh thinking it's like I use a lot of different type of cards too for inspiration I think there's something about oh here's a lot of things that you can pull from I actually also have a deck a, a tarot deck but I um a lot of the stuff that I end up kind of vibing with tends to be stuff from like role-playing games so like D&D and there's um there's a lot of books out there. If you can even think about yourself as like a game master for D&D, there's a lot of resources out there for game masters and um, stuff like making non-player characters and different elements like that. I take a lot of inspiration from that, also from um, art books. So I have a lot of stuff from like Studio Ghibli and um, Gabby and I both have a book from the um, League of Legends. League of Legends. There we go. Yes, yes. And just really actually even taking time to let yourself do something you enjoy. So it could be Gabby is holding it up. You know, and it has uh, it has so many different terrains that you can explore. But, you know, you can also do that through, you know, just watching a TV show and thinking about what is it that I really like about it? And for me... I usually get very entranced by like beautiful things. And so usually like if I'm feeling bored with my writing or like where I am in a story, I feel like a lot of the stuff I really end up enjoying when I'm writing is like something that's both dark and whimsical. And if I can find that vibe in the scene, 
that I'm writing, if it's appropriate, that's usually very helpful. Or if it's just bloody, like that's always fun for me. If in doubt, add some blood. (laughs) Basically. I've been pretty sick this last week and I hardly ever watch TV, but I just kind of laid in bed and watched this cooking show, which if I'm going to watch a show, it's going to be food. And what was uh, it? it? It was called The Final Table, I think. Mm. I'm terrible at remembering names, but I loved it because it was such a good study in character. So it's obviously real people who are coming there cooking, but you just see, so they start off in pairs and then in the final episode, they have to cook alone. So then they have to work as a team in these pairs and then they're going to be pitted against each other when they want to win. And it to me was incredible to watch how these characters progress because I just think of them as like story characters and the study of that as a writer was so inspiring because it helped me understand what I like in a character when things start to come apart and I'm like oh that's unforgivable like I actually don't I'm not rooting for that person anymore because that's a character flaw that I cannot forgive and it was things like you know when it when they really came under pressure one would start blaming the other because, you know, the meal didn't turn out the way that they wanted, or it was, they had to cook by country themes. And so some people actually came from the countries that the theme was chosen from, and the pressure was more on them to get it right. Just watching it from a writing perspective and looking at how people behave under pressure and how you kind of get one idea of them as they go. And you might, like, I would look at, at, these people, these incredible chefs and think, wow, that's real art on a plate. And I want to root for this person because the outcome is going to be so beautiful, which is when you start a story, that might be something where you go in with a character and you think, I want to be with this character for the length of their journey. And then they might do something unforgivable down the line. And what is it that makes that unforgivable for you as a writer or potentially for the person who's reading it? How can they be redeemed? Were there characters who actually were redeemed? For me, I am like I'm a horrible person to read when I don't forgive a character for something because it's very hard for them to be redeemed in my eyes. And like even when I watch a movie, if somebody does something that I don't like, I'm terrible at it. And that's like a character flaw of my own in my life. But I think that TV shows, when you watch them with a lens for things like character progression, character arcs, tension, because there's great tension in cooking shows or other shows too, I'm sure. I just don't have very much experience. They don't have as many. <laughs> uh, they don't have as many snacks though. So no, no, that's the that's the sad part. Uh, and then I have a, a a colleague who once went to a cooking show like randomly, completely outside of anything that we worked on. But when he came back, he said, "It's so funny how you are in this environment where everything is actually a, a heck of a lot slower." than what you see on TV. So it is, it's like when you're writing and you're putting together all these pieces, you're thinking, what is going to create tension? What is going to be interesting to watch? Um, you know, these these sometimes scenes are placed out of order to kind of pique your interest, or you see something plated or somebody's expression or a judge's response. And that's the same thing that we do as writers. We have to decide how we present the information that we put on the page. So I really find shows like that very inspiring just from a structure perspective and then like digging into what it actually means to be able to put a story together and 
bring that canvas to life from the perspective of actually having real life characters and people on a page. I also think that, especially when we're thinking about cooking shows too, there's a lot of micro tensions in there. Like, because obviously like we'll say the plot of it is, is like someone trying to win the thing, right? Like that's the thing. But, you know, we're watching like the water boil over or some kind of disaster happening, which can escalate tension, right? And then what I think is very interesting about um, the show that I haven't watched it, but kind of like this idea that you have to work with your enemy and then they finally become your enemy. Like that is super cool to me. So, I mean, there's kind of something like baked into the show. Like you get to know your enemy too. That's so Serpent in the Wings of Night too. And and yeah. a lot of a lot of books that do that, I think do a really good job of it. And then also like your the villain, it, like it's it's time and it's the judges who you actually want to impress. So it's so interesting to see it from that perspective where you're trying to impress this person who terrifies you and who could send you home and take away your dream, right? Who knew that you could learn so much about like fiction writing from watching reality TV? Because I have never, if I'm watching reality TV, my brain is switched off, you know, like I'm just watching it for the, for the entertainment value. But now I'm going to watch it as a, as a writer for better or worse. See, I watch reality TV to turn my brain off sometimes, also as a therapist person, and then also as a writer, because my partner and I, we actually, with certain shows we like, we'll like dissect like what's happening. And that's a huge part of why it's so fun too, because it it can be outrageous, you know, and then a lot of reality TV, I mean, there is a a level of orchestration that's happening like of course there should be a villain you know and there should be drama you know and when a lot of the reality tv shows I tend to watch also are like love reality shows so it's like the idea is if it all works out they'll be with their person you know but there's so many struggles along the way and like someone might betray them and not be there for the right reasons and I love all of that and I watch it again and again and again and again We like what we like. I mean, that's, I know that should be true with books that I read and books that I write. Have you guys ever used like the personality types? Like there's the Enneagram and then there's also the Myers-Briggs because I feel like that's more a popular thing that writers use as well. I know some people use that. I have looked at it before, but what I tend to find more useful for myself, um, and I think that um, I'd be curious if you relate to this, Gabby, because of your use of tarot cards, but uh, archetypes. You know, I do tend to think in archetypes and then also the subversion of the archetypes because, you know, there's so many things that are very interesting to me. And I think actually with the book I have coming out, one thing that kind of showed up as a theme for me is you know there's it's kind of like a fractured fairy tale sort of vibe and fairy tales so much are built on archetypes right and there's so much of our subconscious like when we see a story we might be able to guess what happens because we know archetypes on just this fundamental level and so what's so curious to me is to subvert the villain trope or we have evil stepmothers or whatever, you know, and to like lend them some dimension where they're not just that thing. And so those are some of the things that like my brain tends to do. So 
Um, I don't I don't tend to use like the uh, the Myers Briggs or um, Enneagram tests as much, but I I lean into the archetype. Yeah, so that definitely resonates with me. I've I've never used either of those tests. I know some people also use star signs to inspire their characters. I have never used those. I do lean into the archetypes, but I think about them as well in terms of how can I use this, but use it in a way, again, as I said earlier, that's unexpected. And that's why the cards are useful to me. Uh, something that I just jotted down here was there is a version of um, the emotion thesaurus, which is like a character flaw thesaurus. And it's really fantastic to, for me, once I've built my characters and I'm looking at how my main characters can kind of grate against each other or how I want kind of mirror elements in my villain and my main character. And I look into those lists and see what works well with the story and the scaffolding that I already have. So there is a website, I'm sure many people already know about it, but I'll just mention it here in case people don't, where it's a free resource and you can look up some of these character flaws so you don't have to have the book. And I find it very useful. I have a new resource to introduce that I myself have not used, but I thought it was super interesting. So it's something I wanted to give a try, but I love Kickstarter. I back projects on Kickstarter all the time. I think there are, I think it's just a really cool way to see what, what people are doing. There's one, it's like a, it is like a role-playing thing, but it's like a solo project. It's like, you're like a witch uh, sort of thing. So of course I backed that. Um, that's completely unrelated to what I wanted to bring up. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I just, um, I, I just, all of that to say is I love Kickstarter. And I think that, you know, one of the things to keep inspiration going is to seek out ways to be inspired. So I think that that is something to, um, to always keep in mind, you know, whether that is reading more books, going out and living your life. If it's um, watching shows, talking to friends, um, I know I have two people here that always inspire me. So Roy and my dog, of course, um, <laughs> Gabby and Nadine as well. Um, but um, but anyway, um, all of that to say is I backed a project on Kickstarter. It was many months ago, but it's called the Writer Emergency Pack. I got like the the dark version because um, that was the kind that like it was kind of special to get that if you backed it on Kickstarter. So it's the the XL because I think it got beefed up basically since um, the last time the creator, whose name is John August, made this. And I want to say that he might be a script writer. Don't quote me on that, but I did uh, literally open it right before we were talking. I've had this for like a while and just goes to show you how messy my life is. But uh, anyway, um, this is a deck of things that can basically help you potentially get unstuck in an emergency as a writer. So what's cool is like this first page here, I'm just going to, um, or this first card, I'm just going to go over it super quickly, but it's actually might even be uh, useful if you were to use it for a different deck of cards. I don't think you necessarily have to use this one, but it says emergency procedures. Number one, focus on the moment in your story that's causing you grief. Number two, draw a card at random, no cheating. Number three, read it along with the detailed suggestions on the back. And then the card you choose may not seem to apply to your situation. Don't panic. Let the artwork title and suggestions trigger new ideas. Most of these ideas will be terrible. That's okay. 
The goal of the pack is to get you asking, what if? Wrong turns are useful if they get you headed somewhere interesting. So then on the back of this, actually, um, it's kind of cool. It says writing exercise, looking to limber up your writing brain. Try this quick exercise and then uh, pick a well-known story such as a movie or fairy tale. Choose a card at random and read the suggestions. Brainstorm how to apply this idea to the story. Go nuts and then start writing. It could be a scene or synopsis. Just get the words down, basically. So there's a bunch of different things, and obviously I'm not going to go through them, but if you're really interested in this, um, might be a good idea to get the deck. But um, the thing that I pulled up here, number 31, I'll show this to Gabby and Nadine, but it's called Devious Whispers. It's a good time for bad advice. So it's kind of interesting, right? So um, many heroes have a voice they turn to when they're uncertain what to do. Could be a kindly mentor, trusted friend, or some inner code that keeps them pointed in the right direction. The wrong voice at the right time can lead heroes astray. A persuasive false ally can trick characters into bad decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's very interesting. Very different probably than what I would think if I were to just pull up something in my tarot deck. I love that. And I wonder if that comes with a little bit of a caveat, though, that when you're pulling something because you're stuck in a certain part of your story, to still try to keep it in perspective in terms of where your character is in their arc, where you are in terms of the plot of the story, so that it doesn't kind of left field. And you always want to surprise your reader, but in a good way. So for me, sometimes I get really excited about an idea, and then I have to get my feet back on the ground and really think about what is it doing for my story? And how is it really, like, what is it adding in terms of layering and not just in terms of tacking a thing on because it sounds exciting? And that's hard for me because when things excite me, I just want to go ahead and write them and do the thing. And it's not necessarily always the best thing for the story. The other thing I really love that you said was drawing inspiration from everywhere in life and kind of the mundane, which is something we do talk about a lot. And I mentioned this uh, in our last non-legendary episode that I'm doing this horror writing course with uh, Dana Schwartz. And I love sharing what I learned. Uh, one of the things that we did in the last workshop session was to look at any setting, like in your life, you could be walking down the street or in a store or whatever, and pick out one unusual thing. So there were a bunch of things we had to do in the in the the exercise, but the thing that struck me was picking out the one unusual thing, because it's a way to train yourself just walking through ordinary life to not only notice things that are around you, but also to notice the things that make it stand out. And when you keep doing that as a writer, as a creative, as anybody artistic, you are training yourself and helping yourself to see what makes a situation and a setting unique. And at the same time, you can think about how that feeds into things like metaphors for your story. How is that thing that you observe something that you can pull through? It might be an object. It might be a smell. It might be a texture. It might be a color. How can you use that to say something more in your story? I think little tidbits like that are things that really give depth of flavor to a story. I feel like I'm talking about stew. <laughs> Depth of flavor to your story. Do you find that you do writing exercises outside of like your novel writing? Because it sounds like like with the the emergency writer pack, that could be like a five minute 
journal prompt almost, right? Or even going for a walk or sitting on a bench and just watching people go by. That also feels like a journal prompt. I feel like I went through a time where I would journal at nighttime and just like set a timer and just like write about whatever. And then sometimes I'd find something that I want to use for my story. Hmm. But lately I don't really sit down and do like writing exercises. Maybe I need to, I don't know. You know, I wish that I did. And I think if I would carve out those five minutes a day to do that, that would be a really valuable exercise. Because yes, sometimes gems come out of it. But also, I think for me personally, it's really important to write things that are not good. Because I'm so hard on myself that everything I have to write has to sound like this is the best thing I've ever written, (laughs) or otherwise it's rubbish. And that is the reality of how I face the page every day. And it's very difficult because being a perfectionist is not a good thing always. I think there are times for it when it can be really helpful to want to perfect something. But when you're drafting, when you're fast drafting, when you're thinking up a story, when you just need to be free creatively, the more practice you give yourself in just allowing yourself to write anything on the page, not editing it, not doing anything, just giving yourself a a session of time and doing the thing that you allow yourself to do is a type of freedom that for me is helpful. And whenever I do it, I think, oh, why don't I do this more often? But maybe it just really comes down to routine and me having to prioritize that and really see that as important for my growth as a writer. I think we've all let out the breath we didn't know we were holding at one point or another. Um, <laughs> and I think it's important to do that because we we will go back and revise it, you know. Uh, but I do think that perfection is often the enemy of just getting the thing done, you know, because I think if we wait until we're perfect, we will not publish the thing because I... Every time I go back and look at the stuff that I write, you know, I find something to tweak. It's just part of it, you know. Um, I am, I'm honestly, I'm terrified to have my book published and then to read it after it's been published <laughs> because I'm just gonna like, I'm like, I'll be like, oh my god, I found an echo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think there's also power in having these writing exercises when you're working on such a long project like a book takes it can take years to get to a place where you feel like you could send it to other people or publish it and sometimes you just need to be able to have something that doesn't have that time commitment and doesn't have that weight so you can just commit five minutes to it and that's all that it is it's a five minute journal prompt it doesn't need to be perfect it just needs to be done and I think there is something to taking that pressure off I don't do it. Maybe I should. Maybe this is something I should start doing again. And I wonder maybe if I should start doing that this week and just see, see what happens. I wonder also if there's like a good time, you know, how we talked before about knowing yourself and thinking about when are the good times to write, but like, when is a good time to kind of clear the cobwebs? Is it before you go to sleep? Is it when you wake up first thing in the morning and you just get those words down and then you've done the thing and you feel like you're free to just continue. I often, like when I'm laying in bed at night and I start with an idea, I won't be able to fall asleep. Well, that's just normal for me, but 
like it'll just keep running in my head and then I'll be imagining scenes and I'll be building characters and worlds and food and all kinds of things. Then I'm awake. And sometimes then I'll go to sleep and still dream about those things, which is another level of inspiration. I'll wake up and I'll write down whatever I've dreamed, which usually makes no sense when I read it like a week later. But <laughs> I always wake up and think, wow, that dream is incredible. And then I write it down, read it and go, oh, no, it's not conveying what I saw in my head. I think we've all had that moment where we're like, this is it. This is the answer. This dream that I've had. And then we go back and read and we're like, no, no, it wasn't. I'm not entirely sure why I was so set on this thing. Sometimes uh, just having a cup of coffee is uh, all I need for my inspiration. What other things inspire you? Spooky season. Oh, yes. Seasons. Spooky season. So what do you do when it's not spooky season then? It's like still spooky. Spook yourself. Like. You add blood. <laughs> yeah, it's. I it's spook always, myself all the time. It's, yeah, I'm always <laughs> scared and always. <laughs> um, yeah, if it's not fall, I usually am like wanting it to be fall. It's the best. I love it. It's like I love so much about all the snacks and the vibes, the apples, the pumpkin spice. I'm pumpkin spicy right now. So whatever, Gabby, get out of my face. I find I'm so inspired by the weather and how it is outside that it's hard for me, like if I'm writing a book in the middle of winter when it's summer outside, I find that hard. So don't know what to call that. Like there are mood readers, but it's not really a mood. Weather writers, I don't know, atmosphere writers. I know a bunch of people who say they can only write when they're in a certain setting and they're inspired by their setting. So I think that's a thing. I have like this idea of a thing that I want to write and I won't go into it too much, but like I have to finish up with just some Empire of Wolves business, I think, before I'll be able to get to it. But I mean, I guess we could put it like epic romanticy, like Santa smut. But like, I'm like real into doing that. And I really want to write it like in the winter and then also in July, like when it's like Christmas in <laughs> July. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, if uh if that's your cup of tea, y'all, or your cookies and your milk. <laughs> it's coming. Christmas is coming. <laughs> All right, let's do snacks. I was going to say a snacky thing and I thought, oh, um, have you guys been planning your stuff for Snackdown? I'm <laughs> wide-eyed. <laughs> I'm crawling around. I'll I'll come up with something, but not right now. That is soon. Is that next weekend? Or we're, we're, we're recording that next weekend, right? You guys better take it seriously. Oh, believe me. I will. Yeah. Okay. Holy crap. We're, we're recording that less than a week. Yeah. Get ready. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I'm I'll be ready. I'm gonna win. <laughs> What's your snack this week? I went to this farmer's market by my kids' school and they had these beautiful butternut squash. I've talked about butternut squash before, but then they also had this microgreen salad mix with just like pea shoots and sunflower shoots and broccoli shoots and another one. 
But anyway, so I roasted the butternut squash and I did um, onions and mushrooms with a bit of balsamic vinegar just in the pan until they were caramelized. And then I had them with the salad with a bit of hummus and um, my family ate some meat with it. It was delicious and I enjoyed it. That is a top-notch snack right there. I have been sick, so I've just been having boring things like soup, which actually the soup wasn't bad. I made it, which that didn't make me happy because I don't want to make things when I'm sick. (laughs) And then been eating like also these crackers, which I don't, I didn't buy them. I think like we went camping in the summer holidays and by camping, I mean like glamping and they kind of ended up in our stuff when we came back so somebody else bought them they're called honey made and they're like these crackers <laughs> are you laughing at me there are these crackers which you use for s'mores or well, we use them for s'mores graham crackers um, yeah i guess but they are way too sweet for me and i just eat them anyway and that's what i've been eating so very boring snack very dry snack and lots of water and liquids so that i don't die I can't believe you're like shitting on graham crackers, Gabby. Who does that? They didn't do anything to you. <laughs> I have just been getting kicked in the ass by life. Um, <laughs> so um, so it's all good now and everything. But shout out to my peeps here for keeping the show going while I uh, ducked out for a week. Yeah, I guess like Roy and I have just been in like a soup and sandwich sort of mood I suppose and we finally broke out this thing we got it for he had put it on our wedding registry and um we got it for the bridal shower we went to when we went out of town and it's a panini maker and he made me I was just it was just been such a bad time and I was like all I wanted to do was cry into a panini and he made me a panini to cry into and it was delicious and so I think I'm gonna have that again today but like basically kind of like a grilled cheese vibe with tomato soup but like that is the vibe for me right now and honestly so I I mean I'm still like moving forward on books and life and stuff but like I am just so like I really want to be a human and um I also just want to mention this book that I've been looking forward to that finally came out but for those that know me I'm a pretty big fan of like the From Blood and Ash series and uh Jennifer L. Armentrout just came out with a new book and I think this is interesting like you know, the romanticy vibe is just like this wave just keeps getting bigger to me. And so there's a lot of these big publishing houses that have, you know, they've made like a romanticy imprint now. So Bramble uh, is an imprint of Tor. And then uh, Red Tower Books, which did Fourth Wing, is an imprint of Entangled Publishing. So I just think that's kind of an interesting thing. And um, this new book came out. It's uh, Fall of Ruin and Wrath, Jennifer L. Armentrout. And that is the first imprint or the first book from the Bramble imprint to come out. So I'm super excited to read that. Maybe cry again into a panini. I think that just sounds like a fantastic time. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, but I'm very excited about that. And that's been my snack and it's going to be my snack. That's wonderful. I also want to read that book. And I also want a panini to cry into. Oh my gosh, come. 
We could we could sit in silence together and cry into paninis and read. This is really gonna make the panini because I don't want to make my own panini. Someone else will make you a panini. Fantastic. And soup. Okay, I'm coming. You coming, Nadine? I'll be right there. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> be brave. Stay beastly. And search for the unexpected. <laughs>